Feast of Tabernacles and the last great day that we observed help us to grow spiritually in the next five and a half months leading up to the Passover of 2020. In today's sermon, we'll consider how the Feast of Tabernacles can help us grow spiritually in the next few months. The title of the sermon today is Onward from the Feast. Onward means to go forward. We even have the hymn, Onward, Christian Soldiers. We have to keep moving forward, keeping moving forward in faith towards the kingdom. In today's sermon, let's consider seven keys to spiritual growth as we go forward, not backwards, from the Feast of Tabernacles. Let's strive to mature spiritually in the next few months leading up to the Passover and the Days of Unleavened Bread. So I'm going to give you seven keys to spiritual growth and moving forward in faith. Key number one is the same key that Mr. Jacob Hall gave in his sermonette. Review your festival notes. So now you have double exhortation. It must have been a reason that God inspired both of us to do that. Key number one to spiritual growth and moving forward in faith Review your spiritual notes and your festival notes. That way we can retain the vision, as Mr. Hall said. Hold on to the vision or hold on to the kingdom vision. So last night, my wife uh, showed me some of her notes, and uh, she had some notes on the Behind the Work video and had uh, a quotable quote. And the quote was, I don't know who gave it. It might have been Mr. Weston or Dr. Winneo. We will serve all mankind during the millennium. Well, we know that, but just to read it in that notes and to reemphasize, it's not just a small responsibility that we'll have. We'll have an opportunity to serve millions and billions of people uh, during the millennium. We'll have powerful responsibilities. We can rejoice in our calling as kings, priests, and judges. And we'll be teaching the world the truth. You probably have in your feast notes, but let's turn there by way of review in Isaiah the 30th chapter. Isaiah 30. We're going to be teachers. Priests had several responsibilities, one of which is teaching God's way of life. Another way is to intervene and to intercede for the people. But here in Isaiah 30, it probably was read several times at your feast site. Isaiah 30, verse 20. And though the Lord gives you the bread of of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teachers will not be moved into a corner anymore, but your eyes shall see your teachers. Remember that Jesus, after his his resurrection, after his death, burial, and resurrection, appeared in physical form. Uh, He was... Flesh and bone, he was not flesh, blood and bone, he didn't have the blood, but he even ate fish on the Sea of Galilee with with his disciples as he taught them. So we will be teachers, we'll be able to manifest ourselves in the physical form. And he says, you shall see your teachers and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. So we'll have that privilege. And I wonder how many many of us just yearn to teach the 
the world, the white way of life, and see, as Mr. Rod McNair was talking about the confusion in in Washington, D.C., and and around the world. Just the world needs God's people. The world needs the kingdom of God. It needs teachers, kings, judges, and priests in in the millennium. Turn to Acts, the third chapter. Another of the inspiring themes of the Feast of Tabernacles and the vision that we have of the kingdom is prominently emphasized here in Acts, the third chapter. Acts 3, in fact, uh, on our way, my wife and I were listening to a sermon by uh, a CD sermon in our car uh, by Dr. Ornale. It was seven changes overcomers must make. And he was just actually quoting the scripture in Acts 3 and verse 19. Acts 3 verse 19. Repent there, and repent therefore and be converted. Make sure that we always have that attitude of repentance and that we want to be not just converted but deeply converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Yes, he's going to be king over all the earth, as we read in Isaiah 11, verse 9, during the feast, that he shall be king over all the earth. Verse 21, well, verse 20, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. We all look toward to the restoration of all things. And as Mr. Armstrong would comment on reading that verse, what is restoring? Restoring the government of God that he established in the very beginning. And that will be one of the restoration. Of course, all the true values that we're learning from God's word, we will restore the truth. We will restore the way of life. The government of God will bring peace to all nations. And they'll learn how to operate and how to perform as nations, keeping the commandments of God and following the instructions of their governors and the government of God. So we need to review our our feast notes, and uh, I hope that you find that so inspiring. I just, uh, another one of my inspiring uh, verses during the feast that encouraged me is Ezekiel 36. Of course, I don't want to give you a whole feast sermon here right now, but it's uh, just so inspiring to review some of the highlights as the, of the feast, as we heard in the sermonette. Ezekiel 36. And, of course, there are the other millennial chapters you're all familiar with. Uh, Isaiah 2, Isaiah 11, uh, Ezekiel 35, about the blossoming of the deserts as a rose. And then, of course, Micah, the fourth chapter, which parallels... Uh, Isaiah, the uh, second chapter. But here in Ezekiel 36, uh, one of our ministers, uh, Mr. Steve Elliott, was giving a sermon there in Cathedral City on the the timeline of a thousand years. And you realize at the beginning of the millennium, what is the world going to be like? All the fish in the sea have died. All the waters are polluted. It's going to have to be God's intervention to... Make refresh the waters and refresh the fish in the sea. And to, as uh, Mr. Elliott was mentioned, even nuclear waste, which I hadn't even thought about, will be uh, a big problem in the world. 
And so Christ will have to heal the land. But here in Ezekiel 36 and uh, verse 33, Thus says the Lord Eternal, On the day that I will cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities, and the ruins shall be rebuilt. Yes, there are ruins that will need to be rebuilt. Verse 34, The desolate land shall be filled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. So they will say, This land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And the wasted, desolate, and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. That's wonderful news and so encouraging to review. So, number one, review your festival notes. Retain the vision as a key to spiritual growth as we lead on to the next five and a half months towards the Passover. Key number two to spiritual growth is to research and learn. We reflect and review our notes and the lessons we've learned at the Feast of Tabernacles in 2019. But now we go forward and we continue to learn. Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5. We don't stay still that once you have six months between the Feast of Tabernacles and the Passover, you must still be moving forward. You still grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. You don't stop. Psalm 25. This is one that I've mentioned to you perhaps several times. I think it was probably one of the first Bible studies I heard Mr. Herbert Armstrong give back in the Shakespeare Club in Pasadena when I was a freshman. He said, you need to learn this scripture. Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5. Show me your ways, O Lord. O Eternal, teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Yes, as uh, was Dr. Wene was mentioning in the CD sermon I just heard on the way here, he mentioned that, uh, yes, uh, blessed are the, the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. A, a meek person is a teachable person, he was saying. Well, we all know that, but are you teachable? Pray this prayer. I pray this prayer every once in a while uh, to show me, to teach me. We don't know it all. I know sometimes uh, in the teenage years, some uh, some uh, teenagers do get to know it all, uh, but uh, they find out later that they don't know it all. But uh, God still is revealing truth to us and teaching us lessons uh, we have sermons on that, lessons of life, lessons from suffering. Uh, we still are learning, and we'll continue to learn right until the time Jesus Christ comes as we apply Second Peter 3.18. You all know that by heart. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Dr. Scott Winnell gave a sermon called Be an Intentional Christian, and he gave several keys to spiritual growth in that sermon that was given last December. So uh, you want to review that. Uh, He gave keys to spiritual growth in that sermon. Be an intentional uh, Christian. I won't turn there, but Proverbs 10, verse 14 says, Wise people store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. 
Wise people store up knowledge, obviously true knowledge, and that's what we learned at the feast. At the feast, I gave a Bible study, and I have here in Charlotte as well in the past, on knowing your Bible. I did a survey of the 260 uh, that were at the Bible study. How many of you, well, let me just ask you here. I think I've asked you this question before. How many of you can recite all 66 books of the King James Version in the order from Genesis to Revelation. Let me see your hands. Oh, good. Well, that's, uh, that's as far as I can see, that looks like a good uh, 19%. Uh, the other uh, survey was only 20, 20 out of 260, and it just was really, I guess, discouraging to me. And I suppose we have the expectations of our background, our church background, what we've learned, uh, what we expect we should learn. And, of course, uh, our whole life is reflected from the revelation of God. And the Bible is the mind of God. And I've encouraged the people at the feast there, and, and we'll encourage you, of course, in our research and learning, is this point number two, is to know your Bible. I gave a whole Bible story that the Charlotte Family Weekend a few years ago. And it's... it's when you know your Bible, you have the vision of the Bible. We had several attendees there in Midway, Utah, um, one of which uh, had well, I talked with personally had been in the uh, imperial schools in Pasadena. Years ago, when we had Ambassador College, there was an imperial schools. Well, it was grade, uh, first grade up through 12th grade. And uh, one of the individuals uh, that I met actually attended all 12 grades at Imperial School. And I mentioned this. Someone gave me this listing of uh, what the first graders at Imperial School were to learn about their Bibles. How is your memory? In the first grade of Imperial Schools, the children are required to memorize certain scriptures as well as other pertinent information about the Bible. To see how we stack up against this requirement, the following list will give you an idea of what these youngsters know. How many of us should go back to the first grade? And this may sound like an impossibility to you, but first graders actually did memorize the following list of 17 assignments. Number one, the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verses 1 through 17, and I asked the ancient, was that short form or long form? Oh, it was the long form, the first graders. Two, Old Testament books in order. Three, New Testament books in order. Four, the 12 tribes of Israel. Five, Psalm 1. I memorized uh, Psalm 1, I think, when I was in Sunday school, about uh, eighth grade or so. Psalm 23, I also memorized that. Number seven, Matthew 6, verses 9 through 14. Number eight, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 6. Number nine, verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 7 through 13. Broke it up into two parts. The same with Matthew 5, verses 1 through 10. Matthew 5, verses 11 through 20. Second Timothy 3, 15. Psalm 100. 
And then 14, 15, 16, 17 are Proverbs 3 broken up into four parts. Proverbs 3, 1 through 10. Proverbs 3, 11 through 20. Proverbs 3, 21 through 30. Proverbs 3, 31 through 35. So the article says, how many of us should go back to the first grade? So I think, brother, we can do more than we think we can. And, of course, um, I've gone over the three principles of memorization before. You know, it's a, a repetition, association, and I forget the third one. No, it's uh, impression. It's the third one. So you can memorize, but it's not just a med- memorize has a connotation of forgetting later on. But no, you memorize to internalize so that it becomes a part of you. And you don't forget unless you get up into age 83 and you have senior moments and you forget people's names. But my wife and I help each other. She may say, well, his first name is John and his last name starts with S. And I can say, oh, well, his last name is Smith. So we each have a half a brain and we can work together to get a full uh, understanding. But you can do more. You can learn the books of the Bible. You learn a psalm. Research and learn if you're going to spiritually grow. Don't stop growing. Know your Bible. So number two, research and learn for spiritual growth in the next five and a half months and beyond. Number three, to spiritually grow. Set goals. And, of course, you know your greatest goal in life. And if you really, really have dedicated yourself to that, it is your hope. It is your inspiration. It's your motivation. You know, Matthew 6.33, Seek you first the kingdom of God. It's a priority above all priorities. And His righteousness. That's all thy commandments are righteousness. Psalm 119.172. It's the whole way of life. That is what you seek first. And that is your priority. That's your life. So you set goals, and you already have that goal. It's a spiritual goal. We have life goals. We have professional goals. We have educational goals. We have family goals. You might have a, a goal to earn an associate's degree or a higher degree. Some of our teenagers have done very well here in Charlotte. Uh, some of them have gotten a CPR a certification, first aid certification, a lifeguard uh, saving certifications. Our teenagers have done very well. But uh, there are other goals that you can set. Uh, even uh, there are babysitting uh, certifications that are available for teenagers. So set goals. What other goals could you set? Well, you might want to pay off a credit card in, in one year time. Uh, Dr. Meredith wrote a rec- uh, an article in Tomorrow's World magazine years ago. Are you prepared? You might want to turn to Proverbs 22 and uh, verse 3. Proverbs 22 and verse 3. Dr. Meredith wrote, The first priority would be to pay off all credit card debts and all other debts we possibly can. We should also have at least the equivalent of 60 days living expenses in case of a sudden breakdown in the banking system or a similar emergency. My wife was just reading this morning from a Wall Street Journal about the electrical grid system in California 
that, of course, has been the cause of some of the fires in California. And now the electrical companies have to shut down their electrical grid, affecting 850,000 homes. Think, what is the culture, what is the infrastructure, what are the work uh, objects, and, and just living life without electricity? Dr. Meredith says, are you prepared? Also, we should gradually work out a family budget that allows us over time to set aside financial resources to carry us through a year or more in case of job loss, catastrophic health situation, etc. Finally, Dr. Meredith writes, we should not leave God out of the picture, although the natural reaction would be to take care of the financial side and forget about God, The truly wise approach is to honor our Creator in this matter and know in faith that He will then bless and guide all of our other efforts. The Bible tells us, and it quotes Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10, the Bible tells us, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the firstfruits of your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine, Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. You turn to uh, Proverbs uh, 22 and, uh, and verse 3. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, or is preparing for those emergency times. But the simple pass on and are punished. That proverb is repeated in Proverbs 27 and verse 12. So be prepared. Set goals. And uh, as Dr. Meredith said, in, uh, to keep learning, to keep studying, and I might mention also uh, his book, uh, The Plain Truth About the Protestant Reformation. Uh, not only do you set goals, of course, financially and for emergency, but you're going to be setting spiritual goals as well. Uh, several of you have set goals to read the Bible in one year's time. I know one young man, young, one young man here told me that uh, he had taken the, uh, the challenge uh, to read the Bible in one year's time and finished in one year and a half. So, but he did finish reading the whole Bible here, and he's in the Charlotte congregation. So explore educational uh, opportunities. I encourage you to, uh, and Mr. Weston and Mr. Jonathan McNair, uh, to take advantage of the Living Education website. I made the mistake this morning of going on uh, the Internet and putting in livingeducation.org. That's not our website. That is a German-language kindergarten website. The website you want is lcgeducation.org lcgeducation.org, and all rich resources, all kinds of wonderful uh, interviews and uh, uh, information that is just very inspiring. So I hope you take advantage of that, lcgeducation.org. And I would encourage you, just an example of uh, setting spiritual goals, to read the last chapter of Dr. Meredith's book, um, I won't take a survey here because I can't see very well the hands out there in the dark uh, part of the congregation here. But uh, And we have a few uh, 
attendance lower than usual today, but you're scattered like the salt of the earth, so that that's good. But nonetheless, just as a suggestion, the plain truth about the Protestant Reformation, uh, you probably read all the uh, issues, the editions in the Tomorrow's World magazine, but I'll encourage you to read the last chapter of the book if you have not yet done that. I've done it, and I find it very inspiring. I'll just read one quote from page 137 from Dr. Meredith's book, The Plain Truth About the Protestant Reformation. The reason God has allowed today's religious confusion is so that after 6,000 years of human misrule, bringing us now to the verge of world suicide, man might at last have enough of his own ways, his own political schemes, his own religious theories, end of quote. So keep learning. Learn the books of the Bible. Learn a psalm. Set a difficult goal to achieve, and sometimes some of us have a habit or a weakness, a sin that we're trying to overcome. And if there's a problem to overcome, what do you do? You fast, and you ask God for the spiritual power to overcome. And sometimes, if it's so difficult, you need to get help and counsel from a minister to get that help, extra help. But set a goal to overcome and beseech God. So number three is in growing spiritually the next five and a half months and beyond is to set goals. Number four is to broaden your horizons. Jesus Christ came to give us an abundant life. John 10 and verse 10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And, of course, we all experienced that. Most of us did at the feast. We had uh, some people who were ill. I anointed one, one lady who had a certain illness. Uh, one, one person died at the feast, not, uh, not in our fellowship, but in another, another fellowship. But in general, God is giving us the expanded life, the, the joy of going places. Actually, just attending the feast is one way of expanding our horizons and our, our interest. Uh, the day after the feast, my wife and I went up to Park City. Uh, Midway, Utah is about a half an hour beyond uh, Park City. And my wife attended, my wife and I attended Park City, the global feast site in 1996. Mr. Ruddleson said he had uh, attended that feast as well, but up in the mountains. And so that day, the first day after the feast, we went over to Park City from Midway, about a, a half an hour away, and visited three museums. I, I, I put in uh, my Google, you know, Google map to go to the museum and ended up at Park City rather than the Olympic Museum, which was my goal. It's just fascinating that Park City began in the 1800s because of a silver strike, and they had a lot of silver uh, rush there and, and uh, had an interesting, fabulous museum. Then we went up to the Olympic uh, Park, the Olympic Museum. They had um, 2002 was their Winter Olympics in Park City. And uh, well, I might have that information here a little later. I don't. Okay, yes, we had 2,399 athletes from 77 nations 
uh, came to Park City in 2002 at the Winter Olympics. So that was an interesting museum. The Park City Museum itself was interesting. And then also at the Olympic uh, site was a ski museum. And uh, just listed uh, famous skiers with world records, and uh, that was informative and just broadening our horizons. Also, you know, one of my hobbies is visiting state capitals, and we had about a three-hour delay in uh, boarding the plane in Salt Lake City before coming back to Charlotte. And I said, well, what is the capital of Utah? Oh, it's Salt Lake. Oh, is this, uh, the capital available? Uh, we went to the state capitol and uh, went in, and the uh, Utah state uh, patrolman was there. I asked him if they had a wheelchair, and yes, they had a wheelchair. And so my wife wheeled me around the state capitol of, of uh, Utah in Salt Lake City. That was my 27th uh, state capitol. And a beautiful uh, capitol it's supposed to have the largest columns, 24 uh, columns that are the largest in the nation of any state capital, and that marble came from Georgia, uh, Franklin, Kentucky, and uh, Olympia, uh, Washington. Those uh, state capitals are beautiful marble as well. But it broadens your horizon. I hope you, some of you have hobbies. That's one of my hobbies is visiting state capitals as God gives me the opportunity. And then, of course, we have the, for our youth, the living youth programs that expand their horizons, the adventure program, the teen and preteen camps, uh, the November-December Living Church News for this year, 2020, they'll be out in another few weeks, is rich with photographs of the teen camps, the adventure camp, and I'm sure our teenagers are going to look forward to uh, seeing the LCN for November-December. And then we have the Living Educational Project in Israel. Uh, Mr. Wallace Smith has an article on the upcoming November-December LCN and uh, that project. So we want to be happy. We want to be successful in life. How, how can you be happy? We've had sermons, telecasts on that. Um, just uh, looking at the uh, comic strip last Sunday, um, Hagar the Horrible is a, I don't read him regularly, but, uh, Hagar the, he's kind of a Viking. And, uh, he wants to know the deep questions in life. So he goes to the guru up in the mountain. And he asks the guru, what is the secret to happiness and contentment? The guru says the great answer is to want nothing. Next column, next cartoon frame. I can do that, says Hagar. Last frame, right after I get everything. Yeah, I can want nothing, but right after I get everything. It reminds you of the rich man in Matthew 19, verse 17, who asked Jesus, what can I do to gain eternal life? And he went away sorrowful because he had great riches. But here Hagar said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy. Uh, I'll be able to get rid of nothing after I, after I get everything to begin with. How can you be happy? We have uh, Dr. Meredith's telecast, Seven Steps to Happiness. We have uh, sermon number 496, uh, Reasons to Rejoice. And then we have another telecast, Vital Keys to Happiness. 
Dennis Prager, in a Reader's Digest article, Simple Truth About Happiness, wrote, One secret to happiness is, quote, is realizing that happiness is a byproduct of something else. The most obvious sources are these, those pursuits that give our lives purpose. Anything from studying insects to playing baseball. The more passions we have, the more happiness we are likely to experience. And that was from the Reader's Digest, June 1998, uh, page 99. There was another cartoon, a comic strip, Luann. A student, Luann, is uh, confiding with her counselor, uh, Miss Phelps. So she said, Luann says to the counselor, Quote, last week I decided to give up trying to be happy. In the last frame of the comic strip, Luann concludes, and now I am much happier. Because she said goal is of the goal of being happiness rather than finding it as a byproduct. And we know that Jesus said, Acts 20, verse 35, more blessed to give than to get, or as the Moffat translation has it, it is happier to give than to get. So number summary of uh, number four, key number four to spiritual growth in the next few months is broaden your horizons. Number five is to let your light shine. And we heard of that at the feast. You might turn to uh, that very scripture. Read it several times with Matthew 5 and verse 18. Matthew 5. Oh, sorry, Matthew 5 and 14, verse 14. Matthew 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in their house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So we don't try to go out of our way to promote ourselves to the world. We just live God's way of life as an example of how to live. And uh, we have the second harvest uh, project coming up. Uh, Mr. McNair um, announced in the announcements next Thursday. Uh, Still have opportunities for volunteers. And, of course, it tells us in Galatians 6 and verse 10, do good unto all people, especially the household of faith. So we do have outreach projects from time to time, and we have this one coming up uh, next Thursday, the second harvest. So if you want to volunteer, as we heard the announcement, we want to see Dr. Scott Winnell. One of the feast greetings came from Jonathan Bueno, who is the festival coordinator in Seaside, Oregon. He said, Greetings from Seaside, Oregon, where 222 enthusiastic brethren have been keeping the Feast of Tabernacles, an atmosphere of brotherly love and zeal for the future reality of the millennial rule of Christ and the saints permeates the air. A hotel staff member commented on the conduct of the brethren, stating that, the world needs more like you, end of quote. All the messages so far have been timely and well-received, 
We all look forward to God's continual blessing here at the feast where, wherever you are uh, from the festival coordinator, uh, Jonathan Bueno in Seaside, Oregon. But that's special, and I'm sure that's not uncommon. Uh, other feast sites, so the staff members and other people, I hopefully have had that thought, or maybe expressed it a little differently. The world needs more people like you. I turn to John, the 8th chapter, John 8. Mr. Scott Lyons from Walterboro gave a sermon on Beacon of Light. John 8 and uh, verse 12. John 8 and verse 12. He talked about lighthouses, and uh, lighthouses are always a special interest of mine. My uh, New London, Connecticut, my my mother uh, worked when she was going to college at Lighthouse Inn, right across the street from the lighthouse near Thames River in New London, Connecticut. I've always had those uh, interests in lighthouses. And I have a tapestry in my office with a lighthouse, a Thomas Kincaid uh, painting. And it has this scripture, John 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. What a wonderful promise. If we follow Christ, we'll always be in the light and not in the dark. And we also shine our light as beacons of light. One of the quotable quotes I wrote down, and of course I like to write down special quotable quotes if a Statement the minister makes, who makes an impression. Mr. Scott Lyons gave this statement in his sermon on the beacon of light, sermonette. Quote, the source of light is Jesus Christ living in us. End of quote. The source of light is Jesus Christ living in us. Uh, a beautiful, beautiful quote. So we are Beacons of light, we need to be that kind of beacons of light. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5.20 that we are ambassadors for Christ. It's really talking about the ministers being ambassadors for Christ, but in a sense we all are ambassadors for Christ. We need to let our light shine. Number five, key to spiritual growth, let your light shine. Number six, is persevere. Turn to Revelation 3 and verse 10. Revelation, the third chapter. Number three, a uh, number, sorry, number six is to persevere. And we've had many sermons on that. We've had uh, sermon number 771, Philadelphian Perseverance. And, of course, Matthew 24, 13. He that endures to the end shall be saved. Revelation 3 is section here on the Philadelphians. And uh, he says in verse 10, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. The great tribulation. And he says it's a command to persevere. So we must keep on keeping on. And we have to renew our commitment. We don't renew the covenant that we made, the covenant established at baptism. But you can still renew your desire and your energy 
And I won't turn there, but it says in 1 Timothy 1.6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we need to persevere, keep God's command to endure, to keep on keeping on, to go forward in faith. So how many of you really desire the kingdom? The Apostle John ended the Bible with a certain commitment that he made to the kingdom. How many of you know or think you know the last verse of the Bible? Let's say your hands, okay. Okay, a few of you do. And uh, you might be mistaken. Well, let's turn there. Revelation 22. Revelation 22. The next to the last verse, well, the last verse is verse 21. Revelation 22, verse 21. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. What a wonderful benediction to the whole of the Bible, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, that God's favor, the favor of Christ be upon you. But what's the previous verse? And he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly or suddenly. It's not that far away. I don't believe it's going to be more than 15 years or so. We don't set dates. But he says, I come quickly. And what is John's response? Is this your heartfelt commitment? Is this the way you think? Do you pray probably several times a day or once a day? Your kingdom come. So many things, just reading the newspaper this morning. Your kingdom come. And we're a part of that kingdom. We're part of the solution of the world's problems. But what did John say? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And I hope that's your heartfelt commitment. That you want the kingdom to come. You want Jesus Christ to come back to this earth and to make things right and to solve the problems of this world. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So number six, keep the commandment of Christ to persevere. Number seven, and growing spiritually the next several months and beyond. Number seven, support God's work. And most of you, of course, are doing that. We have the Holy Day offerings. Uh, we appreciate all the generous giving of uh, all of the brethren during the Holy Day offerings and, of course, during the regular weekly and monthly incomes that you're tithing upon. Support God's work. Again, John 4, verse 34, My food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. In Matthew 23, 14, And this gospel of the kingdom will go forth to the whole world, to all nations, as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. So they're not going to be converted, but they're going to be put on notice 
they are going to be witness to. And we know that our mission of the church is from Christ. As Dr. Meredith outlined it, I'll just mention the first three of the seven that he outlined. Number one, preach the gospel of the kingdom and the true name of Jesus Christ. Professing Christianity and counterfeit Christianity preaches a false Christ, a counterfeit Christ. Preach the gospel of the kingdom and the true name of Jesus Christ. Two, preach the end time prophecies and the Ezekiel warning to the Israelites' peoples. And Mr. Weston's uh, telecast on unlocking Ezekiel in Spanish is over, what is over two million, I think now, uh, views. So preach the Ezekiel warning. Three, feed the flock and build all our members to the stature stature of Jesus Christ as best we can. So we have a mission and we need to, as God's church and as God's people, to follow the leader. Turn to John, the 10th chapter, John 10. To be good leaders, we have to first of all learn how to be good followers. We follow the truth. We follow Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. John, the 10th chapter, and uh, verse 27. John 10 and verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So Jesus Christ is the head of the body, the church. And it's his body, for 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and Ephesians, the 4th chapter. So we are the body of Christ, and he's the head, and he knows you. He knows me if we are following him. And we hear his voice not just from a sound from heaven, but we hear his voice through the teaching of the leadership of God's church and through the Bible. He says, you might turn back here to verse... Three, verse 4, verse 3, John 10, verse 3. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And he brings out his own sheep. He goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And it's so strange to see so many of our, so many people that were once a part of the church of God splintering off with such weird ideas, not sticking to the trunk of the tree, not hearing the voice of the shepherd. But we need to hear the voice of the shepherd and follow the leader, follow the leadership of the council of elders and headquarters and particularly our presiding evangelist, Mr. Gerald Weston. And I try to, and I hope you do, when Mr. Herbert Armstrong was Pastor General, the first thing I read in the Plain Truth magazine was the the editorial from Mr. Herbert Armstrong. And I hope that you're doing the same thing and reading the editorials from Mr. Weston. This is the November-December 2019 Tomorrow's World magazine. You'll probably be getting it in the next two or three weeks. Uh, the Rise of Neo-Paganism is the article, Nations Rise and Fall 
uh, does Christmas matter? But make sure you read Mr. Weston's editorial, How Can All of This Be Free? And uh, he talks trusting God to provide. It even mentions the matter of how their free subscription has been paid. So you'll want to be praying for that editorial and be reading it as well. So number seven is support God's work. And uh, as we mentioned in the announcements, the Tomorrow's World uh, presentation, November 9th, just two weeks from today, uh, Mr. Weston will be giving that presentation in Hickory, North Carolina. Uh, we've had a telecast there coming out of Hickory now for several years. So hopefully that will uh, bear much fruit. And then November 16th, uh, they announced the TWP in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So we'll be praying for that part of God's work and be able to know, read the editorials, read the LCN magazine, and uh, let other people know about the telecast that you should know the stations here in Charlotte. It's in our church bulletin every week. We have uh, WAXN uh, Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock, and, of course, the Hickory Channel on uh, Monday nights. It's Channel 18 on the Spectrum uh, Cable of the Hickory Channel. That's Monday nights at 7.30. So uh, share the information. Of course, you can just tell them to get on the website and find the telecast 24-7. So what will you remember most about the Feast of Tabernacles 2019? What inspiring vision of the coming kingdom will you remember and motivate you to grow spiritually in the next few months? Turn to Amos, the ninth chapter. Amos, the ninth chapter. Practice the seven keys to spiritual growth, as we heard in the sermonette. Number one was to review your notes. I find it very stimulating and encouraging. Number two is to research and learn. Continue to learn, study, and internalize the Bible. Set goals, number three, and evaluate what goals you have. Are they the right goals? Are you making progress in fulfilling those goals? What are you determined to overcome in your life? Number three, set goals and evaluate your goals. Number four, broaden your horizons, expand your interests, and develop new skills. Number four. Number five, let your light shine. And just make sure that you are courteous and thoughtful, serving and giving. Let your light shine. Number six, persevere. Endure to the end. Never give up. Number seven, support God's work. Support God's work. And you'll be, of course, a part of that in the new world. So if I can find Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah. Amos, uh, the ninth chapter, <clears throat> and uh, verse 14. I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. 
They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. I will plant them in their land. And no longer shall they be pulled up from the land I have given them, says the Eternal, your God. So many wonderful promises, so many great events and restoration, rebuilding, and the restoration of all things when Christ returns. So we look forward to that time when they be the restoration of all things, the government of God, the rebuilding, the healing of the land and people, and that will all be under the royal family of the kingdom of God. And I hope, brethren, that you respond to the messages of the feast, you respond to the exhortations which we had, and there were some warnings that were given to us at the feast as well, that you respond to those warnings. And, of course, one of those warnings was Mr. Weston's LCN article. Now is no time to fall asleep. We need to keep going forward and not let down. So let's prepare for the greatest event in all history, the birth of a nation, our resurrection into the kingdom of God, the announcement of Revelation 11:15, that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. The greatest event in all history. We look forward to our part in the family of God and the return of Jesus Christ. So let's prepare for the resurrection of the saints. Let's prepare to be born again into the kingdom of God and be training Continue our training as kings, priests, and judges. Let's look forward in faith from the Feast of Tabernacles to the spring Passover. Let's go forward with spiritual growth and onward to the kingdom of God.